Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, October 12th, 2022. Today on the Ether, Cosmos Spaces, hosted by Lil Gaines. It's the Eclipse Pad AMA. Let's take a listen. Thank you, Terra Spaces, for jumping in here to record the space. Appreciate you. I'm pretty sure, like, Simon right now is, like, you know, in front of a mirror saying, okay, I got this. I got this. We're going to talk about Eclipse. We're going to talk about investing in IDOs and launch pads. He's like pumping himself up before he jumps in the space. <laughs> God, Simon's awesome. <laughs> you guys can probably imagine that too, huh? Simon just standing in front of a mirror, just freaking just pumping himself up. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to kill it. Really like imagining it. It's like, that's absolutely what's happening right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, Trev. Amanda, Amanda, though, she's seen it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I honestly don't know what it is. Just Simon's got that energy, bro. I swear, man. Oh, nah, I, I don't need to pump myself up. It just kind of happens naturally. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh. what did I miss when I was coming on? Oh no, the typical, usual Simon. Just you know. We need to make a bigger door for that door frame. He's man. not in here, right? We need to make a bigger. <laughs> yeah, he's here. He's here. He's on. Uh, he's using the Eclipse uh, account, I believe. Yeah, I and mean, should I do it through my own as well? I'm just trying to work out how I can kind of have both. It's been a little while since I've done some spaces. Well, okay. So if if you want to do that, Simon, you can go ahead and leave that account up here, <clears throat> and then just hop on on another device with your personal account. And we'll leave it up here. However you, yeah, however you want to do it. Can you can you join with a can you join with a computer on on top of here, or do you need to? It needs to be like a phone or something. Uh, I use BlueStacks on my computer to like join the Cosmos Spaces profile. Hey uh, Simon, Simon, if you want, I can log in with the Eclipse Pad page and just stay muted. Yeah, that would work. That could be nice. Sure, I got it. While we uh while you guys are doing that, I'm just gonna go ahead and just amplify the, the space a little bit, retweet it, get people to join it. So if I go silent for a little bit, that's why. Okay. Welcome back, Simon. Can you hear us? Yeah, I can. Yeah, I think I think a fair awesome. few people are gonna jump on. So we'll just give it a little bit. Um we had a fair bit of um we had a fair bit uh like register and put notifications on to, to uh for the space. So we're given, you know, a couple minutes or so we can kind of get started. And I think, uh, I think it should build a bit yeah. of momentum. Yeah, that's fine. I was actually just thinking about, um, you know, amplifying the space and just retweeting it and also sharing it in Telegram one last time before we get started. <clears throat> By the way, when did you get back from uh, Colombia? Uh, about three days ago. Uh, so it was a 42 oh. hours of flying back from Colombia. 
uh, and I got back home about three days ago, but it's actually haven't had much jet lag, to be honest. I, I've just been too busy to, to think about jet lag. Um, it's been good to kind of have feet back on the ground uh, and be able to schedule in heaps of calls and all this sort of stuff, which I struggled to do on the road. So it feels good to be home, I tell you. Oh, it sure does feel so good to be home, bro. Oh, my goodness. But 40 hours, bro. Um, yeah, that's a little bit too much for me. Hell no. But it was worth it, right, Simon? You would say it was definitely worth it. Yeah, look, I, I wasn't just in Colombia. Like, I, I'd, I'd done, you know, a few conferences. It was a bit of a conference leg uh, with multiple back-to-back conferences, which takes a bit of a toll. Uh, it was 16 flights in three weeks, I think. So it was, it was quite a lot back-to-back. And, uh, you know, Cosmoverse was awesome. Um, a lot of really exciting projects, a lot of really cool stuff happening. Um, it, it's just really exciting to see kind of where Cosmos is heading and, you know, a lot of the interest that, you know, there wasn't a huge amount of uh, venture capital or, you know, outside interest from outside of Cosmos, but th- th- there were some few pieces that I picked up on uh, projects and also like people from ETH they, that they were there that were uh, coming in before Bogota uh, who, who were quite, you know, interested in what's happening. So I think, you know, behind the scenes, there's a lot, a lot of stuff happening for Cosmos, like obviously in public theories as well, but there's a lot of uh, projects moving over from other from other chains and stuff as well behind the scenes. So it's quite exciting. And I think Cosmoverse kind of solidified that, got you know, everyone together who maybe haven't met before, um, got to meet some awesome people. And um, yeah, it's, it's more exciting than ever. You know, the thing that was the most exciting um, about this all is that we we bought tickets for this event just because it was like, it's going to be a Cosmoverse based event right so a lot of people are gonna go just because they want to see and hear all the projects in cosmos so that's what made it the most interesting for me it wasn't like um when i went to decentral it was just like different projects here and there uh mainly like nft uh projects cosmoverse was literally man i keep saying this but like the the disneyland of of cosmos it it, it was interesting when we went to decentralcon last year uh, like the the one in like November, whenever the the last one before the the summer one was, nobody had even heard of like like nobody knew what the hell was going on in Cosmos, let alone what it was, which was kind of interesting. <laughs> that was only like a year ago. You went to DecentralCon. <clears throat> yeah, la- last yeah. year. Don't get me wrong; it was it was still fun. Uh, Decentral was still fun. Um, learned learned a lot. Saw, saw a few uh, Cosmos projects there. Secret Network um and a few others so yeah it was still fun but cosmoverse was just a totally different experience it was literally like man just full of cosmonauts everywhere i think we um i think we have you know enough people in here to start uh before i do start though i I just want to say like none of the stuff that we're going to be speaking or talking about here in this space is financial advice like we're going to be talking a lot about investing in like ideos launch pads um so yeah, none of this is financial advice. I'm not a professional like financial advisor, nor do I want to even do that. So just get that out of the way. And yeah, Simon, you want to start by giving an, give us an intro uh, about who you are, how you got started in this space. And then, uh, Trev, you're, you're more than welcome to do the same. Uh, firstly, can we make sure we have the right speakers up as well? I think uh, like having Eclipse Pad and Cosmos Spaces would be good too. Um, but yes, for sure, I'll happily introduce uh, my crypto background as well. Awesome. Yeah, I sent I sent the request already to Eclipse. They're not, they haven't accepted it yet. Hmm. 
Maybe they can uh, send I'll, me a request. I'll, I'll, I'll ping Amanda. Hold up. Cosmos Pages is up. Just waiting on Eclipse. Uh, it shows a speaker online for Eclipse. I don't know if that's just me, though. Yeah, that, that could just be me, then, if there's, like, some sort of bug. <clears throat> because for me, it says listener. Yeah, you listening for me as well. That's okay. We'll get started. I pinged. I pinged Amanda. We'll see where she's at, and um, yeah, we we can get from there. But um, yeah, just to give you a little bit of a background about myself, um, you know, I've I've come from you know a marketing, business development, sales background, um, very very uh, much on, on you know building narratives and stories and storytelling. My journey of crypto goes back to all the way back to actually. What, further than this, but I, I usually don't say that I've been around since early, early days because it was very, very low involvement and I didn't hold really anything since then. But uh, back in, it was about 2012, I believe, um, I had a coworker tell me about Bitcoin and this mining thing. And I was really into computers back then. And uh, so he told me about this digital currency that you have to mine on your computer. And, you know, all I thought was like, he told me you can make money by mining shit on your computer. Uh, and so I basically, you know, played around with mining pools, uh, mined some Bitcoin back then, uh, and, and sort of played in that space. But it just really, it was still kind of very low level, and I didn't really get anywhere with it. That was my kind of first exposure to Bitcoin. Never held any of the assets from back then. And we moved to 2016. In 2016, another, uh, you know, I was, you know, selling security systems back then. And uh, uh, my boss was like, hey, you should check out this Bitcoin thing. I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard about this. Um, and he goes, uh, he, he's like, you know, this got, a, he, he was talking about how many uh, like decimal points it's got and how it's going to a million bucks. And I was like, yeah, it's not going to a million bucks, but you know, check it out. And, you know, I bought, some big, bought back into Bitcoin and uh, that restarted my crypto, uh, you know, my crypto journey back then. It was very involved, uh, more from the, the normie side, the retail uh, aping into stuff side from uh, 2016, 2017 through the bull run, um, before then losing a ton of it in 2000, uh, started 2018. I, I, won't, I won't drag this on too long with this story, but to give you one fun story was, uh, you know, built up a pretty decent portfolio and uh, 2018 happened. And, um, and this is this is actually funny to jump into the mind of some normies and how they think and how I was back then was, hey, I booked a one month trip to the Himalayas, right, where I didn't touch my phone for a month, and the whole idea was that my portfolio would be back up by the time I finished the trip, right. So I had I had you know bags of crypto, went over to the Himalayas to hike through the mountains, no internet for a whole month, and then came back to find my portfolio more decimated than before, hoping that it was just a dip and that it was going to go back up by then. So. It gives you a bit of an idea of, of, of the, the thinkings back then, but I got really, you know, you know, went through the pain in 2018, invested in some assets that ended up dropping a lot lower, um, but then learn how to trade, learn how to kind of play around with, uh, you know, different understanding crypto a lot more through 2018, 2019, got into, you know, when, when DeFi summer started, got into that and, and I've been, uh, you know, in the space ever since. Joined uh, the Loop Finance team and built out uh, uh, a product called Loop Learn, which was a, a product in conjunction with TFL, um, where they helped fund uh, to create these highly animated videos. And over a space of about three three plus months, built out about 30, 36 highly uh, uh, high animated videos. Literally, the whole education series from young know, beginner, intro to terror, as well as you know DeFi, and there was plans to make two hundred a year. It was, a, it was actually a massive operation that hasn't gone there yet. It, it, 
you know, being worked on to re-spool it. But yeah, that was a big thing. So, um, and you're obviously very involved with very many pieces of loop as well um, from a public facing perspective. Um, and then, you know, uh, basically uh, went off to, you know, uh, build out a clips pad. Um, and I'll, I'll share a little bit later about the backstory of a clips pad, but that's, that's kind of a little bit of my uh, web three story. There's a lot of other pieces to it. There's a lot of millions of pieces to it, but I thought I'd keep this short. No, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Simon, for that, that intro. Uh, how about you, Trev? Uh, I'll, I'll keep it really, really short. Uh, a lot of you probably know me already. Uh, I've been around in the space for a while. I was a builder on Terra. I uh, was really involved with the community over there, initiatives over there, protocols over there. Uh, I work on Tix protocol, decentralized event taking, and that's my own personal one. That I work on it's a passion project of mine. Still building on that. And then we have Angel Protocol. I uh, did BD and uh, partnerships type stuff for the Angel Alliance over there. Um, we're handing it off to Amanda, but Amanda's now spearheading it and killing it over there. Uh, Angel Protocol, we do decentralized charity endowments. Uh, and then the Angel Alliance, we bring in uh, basically for profit companies to donate uh, to kind of a perpetual charity endowment to basically fund charities within our indexes forever with the goal of uh, solving for charity funding and allowing them to focus more on their impact vertical rather than chasing unsustainable charity funding. Um, so those are the two big ones. And then Simon, uh, I know Simon because Tara and, uh, and yeah, he tapped me to come in, uh, advise and work on uh, BD and partnerships over there at Eclipse. Uh, so hopefully you can help connect all the dots over there uh, and make it a huge success for uh, you know, the Cosmos ecosystem. So, keep it short. Thank you, Trev. Um, I did invite up here um, Tank. He's going to help me co-host. Um, and I'm not sure who's behind the Cosmos Spaces profile, but in case they want to chime in, yeah, please go ahead. How's, how's it going, Tank? Hey, hola, guys. It's going well. It's my last night in Mexico. Apologies for being a little bit late. Uh, I'm excited to, to hear everything about Eclipse, man. What's up, Simon? What's up, Trev? See, Kevin just popped in there. What's up, Cosmos Spaces? And of course, Gaines. Uh, can't forget Terra Spaces. What's up? And I see, every, look at all, everybody up in here. Hope you guys are all having a great day. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, just trying to jump in here and, uh, and quietly listen. But yeah, thank you. Awesome. So, Simon, where should we start? Because there's a lot to talk about with um, launch pads. I, maybe, maybe let's talk about like the different types of launch pads that already exist. Not, not, not just like, you know, <clears throat> Uh, inside the ecosystem here in Cosmos, but outside. Yeah, for sure. I, I think probably the best way to start would be to uh, actually explain to users what a launchpad is and maybe some of the concepts be behind, um, you know, what, what is the high-level concept of what a launchpad does and why is it important? I think that's a better way to start. And then maybe I can branch off into a couple different that's, uh, that's launch nice. methods because there is different, there is different in, like, uh, kind of uh, intricacies to different launch uh, methods or launch paths. But I think you really need to start the high level conversation. And, and I'll take this from maybe a, what a launch pad is supposed to be as well, as opposed to uh, maybe certain experiences with launch pads, which, you know, launching a product in, in the middle of a bull market uh, typically takes a different flavor to, to building something out of their market and something that is intended to have a purpose. So, to, st to start off with, you know, what a launchpad is, uh, short story, a launchpad is a uh, platform which facilitates uh, fundraising as well as launching for new projects. So it launches new tokens to the market and helps projects uh, raise, uh, you know, funds from the pub public investors 
Um, so, you know, obviously users uh, don't uh, get access to uh, the same rounds as, as, you know, the same investment opportunities as many VCs do, not just from like a financial perspective, but also from, uh, you know, when they get into projects, it's harder for, for the public investor to uh, get into early rounds or, or, or get access to deal flow, uh, which is really important. Like a whole, if you, if you understand how the, the venture capital model works, like a lot of it is around, uh, you know, accessing and finding the best deal flow, which is having the right connections to get good projects uh, that you get into at a decent valuation so that you can make better returns. Many uh, public investors, you know, struggle to get access to that, um, not just from like a bargaining perspective, but also from a knowing way to look. So that's really the, the, the basic concept of a launch pad. The way that I like to explain, um, like a good launch pad or the way the launch pad is supposed to work is a launch pad acts a bit like a trust intermediary or a matchmaker between projects and users. So users, public users, public investors, especially are looking a lot of times they're looking to know where to put their money. They want to get into good. Uh, they want to get good deals. They want to get good opportunities. When you look at the space, even retail or, or an investor goes, okay, where do I actually look in terms of uh, funding projects? Like where do I put my money? How do I know what's legit, what's not legit? How do I know uh, where where to look and and where to put my money? Where's good bets? Where's where's good stuff, right? And that's kind of hard to find. On the other side of the coin, projects are like looking to uh, find good investors. They're looking to uh, you know obviously uh, acquire clients and customers from day one, which is really important when you're launching. Is to uh, how can you acquire a large number of customers, large number of investors early from day one? Um, and that's, you know, and, and raising funds is an important piece of this, but I would actually touch on the, the community bootstrapping is almost more important than this piece, but raising funds is obviously a, a piece of this. Now, the launchpad comes in the middle and it matches, you know, good projects with uh, investors and it acts as, uh, you know, a middleman for distribution, but also for exposure marketing and for uh, research and DD, right? So this is where the reputation piece of a launchpad comes in and is very, very important is that, um, you know, the, the, the project is doing very high quality vetting and, and really looking into projects, making sure they're not rogues, making sure that they've, you know, they're all the, all the, the, the teaser, uh, what is it? The teaser cross or the eyes are dotted. That, that's the word. Um, and then, you know, like bringing that to the community and going like, Hey, we've vetted this project. This is a good project. And the community goes, Hey, cool. We're going to look into this project. We're going to look to invest in this project. And this builds like a trust relationship and a reputation. And this is easy to obviously get wrong, and especially in a, bit, in a bull market where it's easier for sometimes some, certain launch pads to go, hey, we're just going to launch anything that's going to go 100x. You know, the, the community eats it up. And then over the long term, that's not sustainable because you're launching, you know, poor quality projects. Um, so it's really about this trust relationship between projects and investors. And the better investors, you, you know, the better projects you bring, the better investors you get, the better bargaining, obviously, the better then reputation you get from a community perspective so that you can then attract better projects, uh, you know, negotiate better, you know, launch rates um, and et cetera. So it's, it's the kind of this chicken and the egg, which is really about reputation and it's really about building up trust, um, which is what makes the Launchpad uh, model quite intricate um, to build. So that's kind of, I hopefully that answers your, your question from a high level around what launch pads are, but they are very important to ecosystems. Dude, I told you that you're going to come into this space to school, to school me, right? So you're doing a good job at that. I appreciate it. Now, <clears throat> what different type of launch pads exist though? That was like the first question, right? Like, um, do all, all launch pads do the exact same thing? Do they provide that like community bootstrapping and all that on, on marketing or are they different? Yeah, well, look, 
launch pads have different flavors. Like I'll break launch pads in, you know, I've got launch pads from a traditional you know, pre-sale model that, uh, you know, uh, which is participate in the pre-sale, launch the token. You have uh, launch pads that are uh, liquidity bootstrapping. Uh, you know, they have got liquidity launches, which is, you know, launching a liquidity pool from day one. Many launch pads also have a liquidity launcher um, as well attached to them. And that's about like directly like, you know, seeding the liquidity pools pre-launch. You have other launch methods, uh, maybe less launch pads like, um, you know, LBPs, which are talked about currently in Osmosis, which are slightly different. Uh, I wouldn't really call them necessarily a launch pad. It's just a different method to launch. Uh, and then you go into like centralized launch uh, launch pads, kind of like CoinList, IEOs for exchanges. Uh, and then even within this, there's different flavors of launch pads and different qualities of launch pads as well. Uh, cross-chain launch pads and ecosystem native launch pads. But also you have... Um, the, the really the, the, the quality of launchpad really varies and it really comes down to deal flow and connections a lot of the time. Obviously the model, uh, many launchpad models are broken and I can cover this a little bit later in this chat uh, around scalability. Um, but also like the deal flow that you get access to is almost the most, it's actually the most important thing of a launchpad because if you launch crap projects, you build a reputation for launching crap projects and then you can only launch crap projects. Or and it doesn't have to just be projects, but if you launch really good projects, you've got a reputation for launching really good projects, and then that you know precedes you. So yeah, that's a kind of the different type of launchpad. I hope that's not too vague, but I hope it gives you an idea. There is a bit of variety in there um, for sure. No, no, no. Thank you so much, um, Tank. Not sure if you have any questions about the different types of launchpads or want to chime in, or um, Tricky, that's behind the Cosmos Spaces profile. No, no. Actually, uh, nope. Yeah, actually covering it, everything, man. I'm just quietly listening. I do have some comments and questions later on, though, probably at the end of the uh, the conversation. Cool, cool. Uh, Tricky, you good? Okay, I think he's good. Um, what type of research are you guys going to be doing for uh, the different projects that reach out to Eclipse? Um, what what what's a vetting procedure, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, sorry, I'm on mute. Yeah, good question because it is actually quite thorough. Um, so. There's, there's a fair few pieces to it, right? So, and, and I'm going to give you a list, but as well, just keep in mind with the list, there is flexibility within this. Um, I, I like to say that like, you know, some of these can be compensated by other pieces because I, I think it can scare projects sometimes when you just look at the vetting process and you go, oh crap, you know, you've, you've, uh, uh, it, it's pretty hectic, but I think it's really important. And this piece is really important in terms of I think we, we hope to set a standard here for people when they're researching projects as well to, to, to look at the things that they're looking at just to be like, hey, okay, you know, not all of these have to be perfect. These projects, they develop some of these later. Sometimes they're like, um, you know, sometimes these are compensated by other pieces. But I think in the cosmos, it's important because I've seen even in some ecosystems, certain questionable projects come through. And I think setting these kind of standards and, and having these open to the public is like, hey, this is some of the stuff that, you know, VCs are looking at when they invest in projects. This is some of the stuff that we're looking at, um, you know, when we're vetting projects and, and it gives people a framework to kind of understand. So, you know, one of them is, you know, obviously leadership team, experience, structure, backers and advisors. So, uh, you know, VCs are an important piece of this because we know that when VCs have come onto the cap table, typically they've done decent research in D&D, um, which is an important, uh, you know, obviously piece of it. Uh, backers, uh, you know. Projects like who, who you've kind of who you're talking to and who you're around is really important. Like, do you have any angels on your cap table? Who are your advisors? Uh, you know, leadership team experience. You know, some of that can be you know, uh, some of this can be supported by the backers and advisors. 
uh, in terms of like the leadership team and experience. And I think for the public, this can be hard as, um, you know, many, uh, you, there's many non-docked founders, but from the launch pads behind the scenes, we're actually going to be verifying and docking behind the scenes uh, founders of projects. Uh, it's a requirement for launching. You know, we can't launch projects with, you know, publicly facing the founders can be docked, but behind the scenes uh, can be non-docked, but behind the scenes they have to be docked. It's just a, it's just a piece of it. Um, you, again, v, v, VC angel backing funding. So looking at that stuff uh, is important. And we've also building an accelerator where we'll help um, projects with this stuff as well. Um, helping projects that maybe aren't quite there that do want to kind of get to the next level with, you know, getting funding and all this sort of stuff. Uh, clear roadmap with clear milestones is important. Uh, looking at the business revenue and tokenomics model. I think looking going into the future, this is going to be really important. And this varies depending on what kind of product is being built. Um, you know, L1s, like, and this is something that sometimes people don't understand, like an L1 ecosystem has a very different tokenomic structure to a product building on top of a chain. So a product building on top of Juno, it's going to have a very different tokenomics allocation. It's going to have a very different um, model and revenue model than something like EVMOS, for example. And I think this is really important to Cosmos for people to, to dig into more. Um, because, for example, a product, you may not want as much uh, community allocation from day one for a, for a product that is in an L1 chain, which, requir- which requires like wide distribution, right? So there's, there's some intricacies there, but we're going to look at, you know, is it, does the business, business model make sense? Is there a revenue model? Is there actually a plan for revenue past just emissions? Uh, and looking at the tokenomics and stuff like that. Uh, emission schedules, vestings, cliffs, that's really important. Uh, you know, having, having a, a, you know, 12 month, uh, like a 12 month vesting schedule of no cliffs and stuff just, just looks pretty bad in general. Um, but just making sure that it is the right balance as well. Having six, six years vesting, um, for many projects is actually bad as well. And I can explain that later. Um, you know, you know, there's people that, that think sometimes that pushing for longer vesting depends on your project and L1 makes sense, but some projects, if you push six years, uh, a six-year vesting schedule and you've got VCs, firstly, you might not get VCs with a six-year vesting schedule. And secondly, what happens is you end, get a, you end up getting a slow dump and a slow burn rather than getting out the emissions out of the way for those that don't want to hold the token. So very important. Uh, legal structure, legal focus. Uh, you know, we can advise on this as well. Got the right people. It's just making sure that people are above board with this stuff. Uh, there's certain things that maybe, especially as a, a project launching, don't think about, um, which is really important from a legal perspective that can come back to bite you later when you become a solid project. So it's important uh, to make sure they've got like clear USPs that they've got, you know, they're competitive within the market that they've done in that they've researched the market and uh, they've got a def- decent positioning and narrative um, and go to market strategy, use acquisition plan and they've got an MVP. And then one of the big ones is the launch valuation. Um, I think this is where a lot of launch pads go wrong. And I think we saw this on Terra. We see this in the ecosystems. If a project, um, and this is where negotiation comes into the mix. When you launch a project with a massive uh, valuation, um, you can create a lot of hype, but if it's launched to the public with, public with an overvaluated uh, valuation, then it, jump, it can become dump city. So we want to make sure that the project that we're bringing on uh, are launched with a decent public launch valuation, uh, and, and we can kind of like uh, make sure that we bring the best deals to the community rather than uh, launching something with you know 500 million full diluted value or 700 million full diluted value that is going to end up getting dumped. So yeah, hopefully that's not too much. Uh, I know I can talk a lot. Hopefully that's not too much in one hit, but hopefully it gives you a bit of a, like an idea of kind of things that we're looking at. It sure does. Thank you. Um, and from all that, um, like when is like the, the time that you guys separate yourself from the project and you say, you know what, our job here is done. Uh, you guys are, 
you know, launched and blah, blah, blah. So when is the time that you guys separate yourself from the actual uh, project? Well, uh, knowing me, I'll probably never be able to separate myself from projects because uh, I'm always pretty involved. But I think there's two pieces here. Like we are building an accelerator uh, behind the scenes and partnering with some really cool players uh, to build that out. Um, and that will be more of a support kind of network for projects, which is, hey, how do we take a project that is at this stage, maybe like they're really, really good devs, they need help with marketing, they need help with all these different pieces. And how do we help them kind of get to that next level and, and tick all these boxes and then launch? Um, we're less going to be less hands-on in terms of, uh, like post-launch, like obviously we're not going to just launch and then like goodbye. Um, but it's, you know, obviously the launch pad is more about the launch mechanism more so than the long-term support, which is what kind of an incubator or an advisory would do. But we will offer, like, I believe we'll offer some advisory, uh, like services as well for like more long-term support and obviously be there for tech support and all this sort of stuff. And, and, and keeping in mind that because, the, the way that it works, like our community, we've been very intertwined with a lot of the projects that are being launched. So I see us like uh, being still quite involved with the projects that are being launched. Plus uh, many will have a vesting schedule over six months anyway. So we'll be there to support projects. Um, but yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Tank or Tricky, you guys are good. Trev, you can chime uh, in too, Trev. Yeah, go, go ahead. Uh, I did have a question, but if anybody else wants to go ahead, go ahead. I think we're good. No? Okay. Um, I mean, and I don't want to get a little bit ahead of myself or the conversation. Um, I did uh, want to ask, and I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just putting it out there because I'm uh, secretly just sitting here waiting for my wife to come back from a massage, and then we're going to have dinner, so I don't know when she's going to pop in the store, and I feel like I need to get this question out uh, before she pops in here like Kramer from Seinfeld. Uh, but uh, so I've seen many launch pads in crypto come and go. Obviously, um, in our ecosystem or in the greater cosmos ecosystem, one of the bigger flops recently, and I just, you know, I'm not trying to dig on them or anything like that, uh, was the Universe Dial Launchpad. Uh, one of the biggest, but obviously, was, right, you know, they, they took a lot in UST. You know, we don't even get, get into that conversation. I know you guys came from there. Uh, I believe sometime late last year, I remember seeing a post, uh, and it was like a sneak peek of your guys' Launchpad. Uh, page and I saw UST. What is if you don't? I, maybe it's a double or multiple uh, form question. Uh, but what is the um, preferred method uh, that you guys are going to be taking uh, funding? Is it going to be not that you guys are coming to Juno? Uh, you know, like Axelar's USDC, or is it going to be you know multiple different like Juno or Atom maybe? Uh, and also uh, using the Universe again. No dig on them, but using the example and learning from them, uh, are you guys prepared and how does that structure look like as far as diversifying uh, allocations or, or capital that gets uh, invested or, I don't know if invested is the right word, or, or captured? Yes, yeah, so a few pieces to this, right? Like, and I think, and I, and I, and I don't like digging on other projects and I, and, I, and I may have also mentioned to some people, not in public, like Universe Dev had red flags for me from day one. Uh, and that's that's maybe a story from a different right. right. And again, um, I do, I want to make that absolutely clear. I'm not trying to dig on them here. Yeah. I'm just using them as an example. Yeah, for sure. Um, as far as your first question in terms of like what kind of assets we're going to accept, actually, the devs have been working on accepting USDC, Juno, Atom, um, and we'll have a we'll have a function where we'll be able to accept pretty much any asset from even cross chain. So working with uh, Squid uh, at the moment, which uh, is building like the possibility from anyone from any ecosystem to participate with pretty much any asset. So you'll be able to have your ETH users that can participate on Cosmos with 
ETH, uh, Solana with Solana, USDC from Crosschain. So the idea is that like, how can we make that onboarding uh, experience so easy for users? They'll still need to set up, uh, they'll still need to set up Kepler wallets uh, in the back end, but it will make it like really easy for a user from Crosschain to go, hey, look, there's all these cool Cosmos projects coming. How do I participate? And they can do it with, you know, a couple of clicks and make it as easy as possible, as well as your Cardo integration, users to be able to participate from centralized exchanges. So a couple key pieces in terms of like participation from assets. We want to make that as easy and diverse as possible. Um, obviously, in terms of like treasuries and stuff, it's like having the right multi-sigs in place um, to make sure that there is like no centralized point failure. I think that any project should, should be doing that anyway. Um, so that you know you don't run into those risks of one person controlling uh, the entire treasury and everything like that. Um, I think there's there's other lessons here as well. Um, I think to learn from university. I almost put a post up yesterday, but then I, I held back from it, which is like, hey, please don't do like, don't launch a token with high high APR before you've built a product or launched a product. Like I think that's that's a, that's a lesson. I think that Cosmos will learn. Like maybe. Uh, yeah. But I think you know if you launch a token, you give you know. 10,000% APR and you have no really working or launching like a product that's, that's there, then it, it's just red flag central for me at least. It's red set, red flag central because you've got no purpose like launching a token before you have an MVP, right? Even products launched on the pad, right? Like, no, don't launch a product to, don't launch a product in advance. I think in the future, there'll be launch mechanisms and launch methods and we're looking to build out some of these which help projects fund to build. But it's a different story between actually having a big launch, launching a ton of APR, like airdropping all your token out and suddenly you've got nothing built. It's just, yeah, it, it's a red flag for me. Great. Great. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I totally agree. Thank you. I think, Simon, now is a good time to like segue into um, <clears throat> why did you guys start uh, the Eclipse Launchpad? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll give you a bit of backstory, actually. I'll, I'll try and keep it short as well because I want to dig into the meat of it. Um, originally, it was building on Terra. It's a platform called Luna Launcher. Uh, the tech's been built for quite a long time, and um, and it's it's hard to see until you see the testnet up and uh, and a few pieces. But like Luna Launcher was being built on Terra as a first uh, you know cross chain launchpad, which actually you know we've got code for Solana, Polygon, uh, E, Binance Chain, like all this code is actually built out. Like EVM, all the code base is already built. Um, and Luna Launcher, you know, tech was developed. It wasn't much, you know, uh, focus on marketing, community, all this sort of stuff. Um, and, but, you know, part of the reason was that there was, you know, Star Terror, you know, there was some questionable stuff that Star Terror was doing and, you know, burned some of their community. And there was an opportunity for a cross-chain launchpad to come and help to, you know, bring stuff into Terror. Um, and, you know, obviously when the Terror collapse happened, it was a little bit of a question of kind of where to go. Like, where does, where does this launchpad, you know, head? Where's this opportunity? You know, coming into a bear market. Uh, for launchpad is can be a little bit harder for sure um and you know it was it was okay you know what, what to do uh and then followed obviously followed loop and followed uh you know uh, a lot of the other terra dapps over to you know terra or no to, to juno sorry um and you know that that was kind of like the original uh come over to, to juno and then there was some time and some not some downtime but some time to really think about opportunities thinking about the launchpad model thinking about um you know, what does Cosmos really need? Does Cosmos need a launch pad? You know, um, and, you know, let's do some research about like, you know, the need in Cosmos for a launch pad, um, as well as like doing a lot of research on the space and launch pads in general and how to improve the model. Because a lot of launch pads were birthed in a bull market and they weren't built with sustainability and scalability in mind because they didn't need to, right? Um, 
they, they launched in a market that was like you could launch anything and you would be successful. You'd launch anything and it was token go up. And so there was a lot less thought about, you know, how do we build a scalable model? How do we build a sustainable model for a launchpad that grows over, you know, a few years that brings value back to the community? That isn't just a token go up when the bull market like goes, right? Um, so we spent a lot of time on that model, rebranded from Lunar Launch into Eclipse Pad, um, and then just really started developing a lot of the tokenomics and a lot of the research to do uh, around the need for Launchpad. And uh, actually, Cosmos is in dire need of a Launchpad, and there's a few reasons for it. It's not just about token launches and distribution. It's about like exposure and marketing. And Launchpads act as important pieces of ecosystems because they they are almost like a magnifier for the ecosystem. It's almost like, a, I like to call them like a catalog sometimes, where you can actually expand the reach of projects uh, and expand the reach of an ecosystem way past your ecosystem. If you talk to a lot of people in the space currently about what's happening in Cosmos, you know, what's coming in Cosmos, a lot of people won't necessarily be able to tell you. But oftentimes a Launchpad with good marketing and good exposure is able to kind of um, really uh, broadcast that outside of the cosmos and users from outside the ecosystem can go, hey, this is interesting. There's this really interesting cosmos project happening here. I want to participate. And they may never never touch the cosmos, but suddenly they go and they participate in a, in an IDO or a pre-sale from the cosmos ecosystem. They set up a couple of wallets in the background and suddenly they're a user, right? And so I think there's a really important piece around this in terms of like marketing, user adoption, uh, and expanding the reach of the ecosystem, um, which can be really powerful. As well, within the ecosystem, it helps with, you know, launches for projects that need help with marketing, bringing more VCs and accelerators into the ecosystem. Uh, it helps also with like projects raise some funding, as well as bootstrapping the initial community base um, as well, which is currently done with airdrops, but Launchpad is a slightly different model of doing it. So um, hopefully that answers your question. I did go to Um, Can you guys hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Sorry, he cut out just a little bit towards the end, but he said, you know, Hope that answers the question. Um, uh, Simon, can you go ahead and just just, just speak really quick to see if uh, the audio is okay? Testing, testing. Hello, can you guys hear him? I can't hear him. Yeah, I couldn't hear him. I'm glad you said that earlier. I was thinking it was me or something. <laughs> can you hear me? Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah I can so hear him now. Can hear you. Yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, Simon, can you touch up a little bit on exactly what an accelerator does and what that's all about? I oh, think okay. we might have lost them. Oh no, there he's, he is. He's he's back. Dealing with a little bit of technical difficulties is normal on spaces. Hey, you're back, Simon. I'm back. Sorry about that. I got a phone call and it kind of stuffed everything up at the same time. Yeah, so an accelerator, uh, an accelerator program. It's interesting. We don't really have many of these in Cosmos, and they're quite important. Uh, like the best way that I can kind of explain, maybe I can relate to those who've built a project. An accelerator program is. Um, is not quite an incubator. An incubator is more of like an early stage uh, kind of ideation up. Accelerate program is like a mentorship slash connection slash um, uh, help advise um, program. And it's typically done when a project already has built uh, like a significant amount of their idea and product. Um, and it, it is basically, you know, putting mentors together, partners together to help projects get funding. A lot of it is related to funding. Like, okay, you know, we built something cool. Uh, suddenly you need to, you know, obviously get access to, you need to raise some funds to build runway. You want help with marketing, help with launch, go to market, revenue models, all this sort of stuff, as well as just basic company mentorship, right? Um, which is important in crypto. And so an accelerator program, I mean, there's a lot of accelerator programs there that aren't so great, but there's a lot of good ones out there too. Um, and they're really about like, how can you really accelerate the success of a project, which is getting them the right backers, helping them with their marketing strategy, 
um, helping them with their launch plans, revenue models, pitch decks, introductions, like putting the right advisors in place, the right backers in place. Um, and some intricacies like with, with Eclipse, one big one is helping with team building. Um, so how can we incubate like moderators within the community? How can we bring in marketers from outside the community uh, to match with these projects? as well as developers and the support they need. So it's almost like, um, you know, you, you, you may be, someone might be a really, really good developer. They build a really cool project, but they're missing like a ton of like verticals that they need for successful DAP launches, which isn't just related to tech, right? Like marketing and team building and all this sort of stuff. So an accelerator program is, is like a cohort that you, you, you know, take on. Um, either they invested like a pre-seed level or they take a certain uh, portion of token allocation and then they help with, you know, fundraising, putting the right advisors in place, teams, revenue models, all this sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Tank. Thanks. Thanks, Simon. You, you know, it's a, a really great, the way I like to explain it to a lot of people, um, <clears throat> if you guys aren't used to accelerator programs or I like to use the term supercharge, but for the layman person that's out there, if you've ever seen the TV show or series Shark Tank, that's literally what it's like. Literally. Would you, would you say that's fair, Simon? Yeah, yeah. I would say Shark Tank is similar. Uh, Shark Tanks is slightly different just because a lot of them are angel investors, right? So they're like, they come in with angel yeah. checks and then they give support, yeah. which is actually what angel investors should do anyway. Like good angel investors should be supporting the process. Um, so they invest in you and then they help you with support. Accelerator is more just like a program that's like um, maybe pre-investing stage because when an angel gets in or when a... Um, like an angel or a VC sometimes gets in, they, you're already a little bit more advanced. Accelerators like just pre that because typically they help with that. So typically if you're struggling to get fundraising or you're just, you've, you're a developer, you've built a really cool idea, really cool product, but it just needs like, it just needs greasing, right? You need, you need to grease the wheels. You need the right backers to really take off and get to where you want to go. An accelerator program just helps to put all the pieces in place um, so that you can be successful. And then as you said, the Shark Tank, um, they connect you, connect them, like typically, like they connect you into the network, which is a really, really important piece. So you get connections into like advisors and all this sort of stuff. Um, they kind of it's an it's a very uh, it's a very meaty thing to build out, but it's it's very important, I think, for the ecosystem. Great question, Tank. <clears throat> hey, hey guys, uh, I don't know if you better on it. So, well, what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was uh, cut me off, Gaines. If you if you want, I was just gonna say. Guys, uh, we're going to hold off and take any more speakers until the very end. We'll take speakers at the very end. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We no, got Mide, who's part of the team as well. Mide's also part of the team as well, uh, business development uh, for Clips. So, hey. yeah, he, he jumped hey, in. Hey, Mide. Hey, guys. How you doing? It was nice to be here. Simon, you're firing up. Hey, I see you, man. Keep doing it. Welcome, Mide. Welcome. All right, Simon. So, we kind of learned a little bit about the, you know, the different avenues of how you are going to bring like uh, investors into this ecosystem. And now why, why exactly is there a token that uh, is going to be um, needed for Eclipse? Yeah, great question. There's a couple pieces to the token. So typically uh, things that does happen with launch pads, right? Um, and it, it happens more, especially in the bull market. Um, Hello? We, we hear you. Okay, cool. I just said connection lost, reconnecting. Um, so what, what typically happens, especially when you, you're launching really, really quality projects, is uh, you, you end up in a position where you end up with very heavy oversubscriber rounds, right? So you end up in a position where 
let's say like project A is launching, right? Um, and they've got, uh, you know, 500000 uh, $500, like allocation to sell for public ground. Um, and there's, you know, 10,000 investors plus, right? They want to participate in the round. So suddenly you end up in a, in a, in a state where there's oversupply. There's a, there's a, there's a number of investors that uh, want to participate and you can't, and not everybody can participate, right? Um, and this is where, you know, this is where you have to start, you know, selecting obviously, uh, investors to figure out, okay, how do we, how do we pick who gets in, who doesn't, um, how do we distribute the allocations amongst uh, the community? How, you know, do you do it just a flat rate where everybody just gets $50? Do you have a rate where, you know, some people have a slightly like high amount of allocation and some don't. And then there's also like a, almost like a, a almost a weeding out that happens. Not, not a, that's a bad word, like a weeding out. Think about like with airdrops, uh, with like staking, like depending on how much do you know you stake, uh, you get uh, like a certain amount in, in airdrops. So typically it's about, um, it's about really working out, you know, which are the investors that have more skin in the game, which are the investors that like are maybe more loyal, that have like committed to something like specific um, for a period of time, right? And how do we kind of allocate like this, uh, you know, the allocations within this IDO to different investors? So the token, there's multiple uses of the token, but I'll just cover it first. So the token is used from a staking mechanism. Um, and and I, I'm going to cover a little bit later on with how we've kind of worked on a lot of sustainability and uh, more long-term focus with this model. Uh, but it's typically used uh, almost like a gating in terms of uh, you stake the token, you have access to a specific tier, and that specific tier determines the chances um, of getting into IDO, but also your allocation amount within the IDO. Secondly, from that, the token will also be used uh, down the line for governance as well. Uh, and I'm, I want to use my words very carefully because, uh, you know, securities laws and you know, making sure I do the right thing. But we really want to, we want to really want to bring long-term value back to the community from uh, past launches as well. So, you know, past launches on the platform, we want to be able to uh, take some of that value and bring that uh, towards the long-term, uh, long-term community. I'm not going to say long-term holders. I'm going to say long-term loyal community members that can benefit from the success of everything that comes through the pad. So, if if you know we have 50 you know launches and we have some really successful projects to come on, how do we stream some of that value, or even from the accelerator, how do we stream some of that value back to um, community members? And then you know the 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 really big one for us, and this is the bigger vision, is to actually become an ecosystem of launch products. And not just one launch pad, but actually a DAP chain and ecosystem of different launch related products that target different pieces um, and have the token used within that ecosystem and, and have multiple ways of, you know, uh, I'm not going to say generate, I didn't say this, uh, I was going to say generate revenue, I was like, no, oh, I didn't say this, uh, but accrue value for different um, different utilities through the ecosystem. So that's really- You got to be really careful, Simon. You gotta... uh, it's so hard, it's so hard, man. it's so hard, it's so tough, but yeah, I didn't say anything. Again, again, just spaces. To burn the recording, burn the recording. <laughs> just just to repeat this, because I did it in the beginning of the space. None of what we're talking about is financial advice. Please do your own research. We're not giving you guys financial advice to invest, invest in IDOs, launch pads, blah, blah, blah. Okay, guys, let's just get that out of the way again. I, I should just do the Gino Juicer thing at, at, at Hack Wasm. They were like, this will never launch. <laughs> 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 Good, good. All right. Well, hey, I got a better idea of why there needs to be a token. Uh, thanks for that, Simon. Uh, are we okay to move on? Uh, Tank, you got any more questions regarding like the token and stuff like that? 
or tricky? No, I mean, yeah. I have a bunch of questions, but I, I mean, I just got to say, to be honest with you, I've uh, I've been messaging gains behind while we're doing this basis. I've been secretly, quietly, passively watching the development of this project for some time. I absolutely love it. I I cannot wait to get not only myself, not financial advice, again, guys, not financial. I cannot wait to get myself uh, some exposure to not only the platform, but some of the audios that are probably going to be coming shortly after and i cannot wait to get some of the groups that you know like maneki dow and all that this is this is this is absolutely perfect people uh, i I don't want to say people don't understand people i don't think truly understand the power to projects and to what this is offering this this really fills so many holes and gaps uh for a lot of people and a lot of groups can highly highly benefit from something like this going forward so i'm absolutely just super excited about what's happening i, I want to add something and, I, and this may be a dampener but it's also an opportunity as well and i'm sure you've experienced this in the space already because it's actually it's an important one i think it's an important one to say up front because it's it, it it is a bit of an annoying one the biggest one with launchpad and the biggest pain in the, in the butt is the us user participation that is you know i'm sure you've experienced this through the space um us users uh have you know issues participating in launchpad due to how stringent your government is, but that isn't an issue because we we've been working on some models behind the scenes. They're going to be a little bit further out, um, but these models are around how can we get US users to participate in these or have exposure to these uh, launches. Actually, I didn't say that. Maybe feel free to cut this out of the <laughs> cut, cut this out of the <laughs> recording, um, so I don't get Gary Gensel on my ass like in, in five years. Uh, but there's some cool models that we can really do do to bring like tons of value to the community and especially like users from certain jurisdictions uh, that may, uh, due to KYC and stuff, may not be able to participate um, in certain launches directly. And there's always loopholes. And I know that, um, you know, certain platforms and certain users that are really dedicated have always found these loopholes, especially like I'm sure uh, US users that participate in, in, in launchpads on the ecosystems have kind of gone through this. Um, but now we bring some really cool stuff and working on some models uh, at the moment to, to actually multiple models that will bring like tons of value to like Juno holders, um, which has been, I've been chats with Jake about, um, you know, bringing more value to Juno holders as well as like, how do we get kind of exposure to users to, to some of these, uh, you know, IDOs that may not have access to them normally. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about that. All right. That brings up a good question. Um, one, so let's just say I'm a project. I want to get involved in the Chasm ecosystem. I come across Eclipse. What what are the steps? Like what what do I do as a, a person that wants to launch a project? Yeah, really, really good question, actually. So um once we're actually gonna have our um uh, the platform up's very close. I know we've been saying this for a little while, but we've been grinding behind the scenes. We'll have an applica- an application form um through the platform. So uh the way that this will work is you fill out the application form with your details. Um, you know, we'll get in touch um, and then we'll begin. Uh, we'll have like a, a couple of kind of front end filters. So we're not doing the full DD process of every project that comes through because that's just going to like make us. And, and this is actually something a lot of projects struggle with is like there's so much heavy, there's so much vetting to do. It can be tough. So we'll have like some, some light filters uh, pre obviously, you know, going through the full DD process. When we're more happy, we'll go through the full DD process um, for projects. And then, in, then in the short future, we'll actually set up a DAO council. So the DAO council will be like a like a secondary voting mechanism for um, projects coming through. So we'll vet them in the team completely. Then they'll go through the DAO council for final voting. 
The Dow Council will also evolve in the future into community governance. Um, the reason why we haven't set that up from day one is that it actually slows down the process quite a lot and it makes, uh, makes the job of doing this quite hard in the early stages. But once we're kind of at a stage where the, the, the structure's there, the community governance is quite active and we've got everything, then we can kind of move into that model. But initial stages, we'll be doing the vetting in-house. And then the second phase, we'll move into like a DAO council set up of team members and you know community members. And then the third phase will be community governance. So we go through this process of vetting. And then once the project's approved, then we start the process of uh, you know, marketing, we start the process of, you know, uh, announcements around launches. We have to obviously negotiate details out for uh, launch amounts, launch date, all this sort of stuff. Uh, but then we start the process of listing them on the, on the platform, going through, uh, you know, all the, all the build up marketing, uh, date, all this sort of stuff, uh, starting campaigns, best spaces, um, influencers, all this sort of stuff. And then, um, and then we'll get into the, the launch phase, which will go whitelist. Uh, and, and et cetera. We can cover this a little bit later, but yeah, that, that's that's the process of going through. Um, and if they don't pass that vetting, there's an option for them. We'll be able to uh, like direct them to the, the accelerator program if it's suited as well, or any other kind of uh, uh, you know programs that may be suitable. Like one of them I think of as well as the like the Interchange Foundation Builders Program as well, which we're currently going through, which is great for certain projects as well. So we'll have some flexibility there too. But yeah, that that's the process. Hopefully that answers your question. It does. Thank you so much, Simon. I also want to just uh, say hi to Jordan, Jordan that just popped up here. How's it going, Jordan? Oh. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, good. Hey, Jordan. Sorry, I was just uh, having some technical issues. Every time I try to join as a speaker, it uh, it wasn't working very properly. Uh, so I went, I left and updated my app, but it looks like everything's all smooth now. Well, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Next question for you, Simon, and you know anybody else up here that contributes to Eclipse is around airdrops, right? So let's just say that um, there's a, a few a few angel investors or private investors investing in a project, and uh, this project is going to airdrop tokens to people that are uh, interested in this project. Uh, do those people also get a portion of those airdrops? I mean, how, how does that work? Are you guys trying to stay away from the whole airdrop model? Um, we're open to kind of being co across airdrops as well. Um, I've had some different thoughts about this and it's, I think with the airdrop thing, it's, it's also one thing that we have to be really, really, really careful of is securities laws around this. And I think people don't always think about this inside Cosmos as well, but if we, if we say, Hey, hold this token and you'll get airdrops from all of these things. Um, suddenly that opens us up, opens us up to some issues uh, in terms of like passive income and all this sort of stuff, right? So it could be problematic. I, I don't think there's an issue in terms of, um, I don't think there's an issue in terms of like if it's based on specific actions. So stakers, like similar to kind of what happens right now with Juno and like, uh, and it can be action-based staking. So, hey, depending on how long you stake for, like this is, you, you'll be able to get access to an airdrop uh, and things like that. Um, it's going to be up to the project. Like if projects want to do airdrops and they want to like boost, you know, they do an IDO and they want to do airdrops on top of it. Um, we're not opposed to that. I think airdrops can be quite strategic. I think from my perspective, airdrops that are just spray and pray aren't necessarily strategic, which is like, hey, let's just send airdrops to a whole bunch of people and, you know, all this stuff. But I think, there is room, and, and even within um, Eclipse, we will do some airdrops uh, that are strategic, which is like, hey, how do we like con constrict the parameters? We have very specific parameters. How do we airdrop to this community that has like 3,000 people? Or how do we airdrop 
action in it, like uh, based on actions of like, you know, maybe someone goes through like a testnet IDO, right? Um, and then, you know, can get access to an edge up through that. So um, hopefully that answers the question. I hope I understand it right. But I think, you know, there's room for both. I think airdrops will, will not phase out, but I think that will slow down over time. Um, I think as the ecosystem matures more, but I think there's room for more strategic airdrops that uh, my person, to be honest though, my personal belief around airdrops is airdrops are better used strategically outside of the ecosystem. Even though you like, it's obviously a community bootstrapping tool within the ecosystem. I think we should also be looking at how do we strategically bring in outside communities and users from outside um, of Cosmos into the Cosmos using airdrops, but not doing it just the Airdmos way, which is like, hey, if people can just get access to this, has to be very targeted, strategic, um, which could be like a community of 5,000 people that are very, very active, very, very solid, tapping into their leadership and then doing an airdrop as an incentive for them to come over and set up Kepler wallets and participate, right? So that's kind of my view around it, but I'm open to be like uh, any opposing views or anything like that. No, thanks. That, that helps get in a better understanding on, on your view of airdrops. Anyone else want to just chime in about airdrops before I move on? Yeah, I just wanted to add on and piggyback on what Simon was saying. It's basically like, if you think about any business, like this doesn't have to be Web3. This could be traditional Web2 or even non-tech, right? So say a new restaurant opens up in town. Usually restaurants or maybe like a donut shop, for example, they're going to give free samples maybe on the grand opening day. And it's a way to like kind of lure in users and give users a, a sample or a taste of what they're offering. So the same thing could be said for, say, uh, maybe a launch pad or any other uh, sort of project out there. But you have to really think about with strategic airdrops, like what target markets, like what are your ideal users that you think would stick around? Um, and, and thinking that through like, okay, maybe you're launching an NFT market. Well, maybe you want to address uh, users who are more likely to invest in NFTs, regardless of the chain, for example. So maybe you target OpenSea or Magic Eden users, um, which are NFT markets on uh, primarily ETH and Solana, for example. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it's just a way that uh, you're actually more effectively spending some of your token supply into marketing to the correct users that you want. So uh, very yeah, well said, Simon. I, I think you guys are yeah bringing up a good point here because mainly the, the airdrops that happen in the Cosmos, they stay in the Cosmos. And really, I've only seen just one, Evmos, do that, where they try to reach out outside of our ecosystem. So the more we can just think about how can we attract more people in our ecosystem with a potentially strategic airdrop, it only makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I would agree. And actually, I commend Evmos for doing that, even though there was some technical issues, right? Um, but that was the first time, because I have, I have other buddies both outside of crypto, but then also in crypto, but not in Cosmos, for example. And Evmos was actually the only project that I would hear chatter about because of the nature of the way that they did their airdrop. So I think, yes, airdropping to you know native Cosmos users, yeah, you want to help do that and build your foundation in the community. But um, I think there's more strategic ways in how we can lure in and bring in other users from other ecosystems, or maybe some projects can also think about, hey, how can we actually like onboard non-crypto users as well? So there's a lot of ways you can get creative with it. Yeah, and I'm sure you guys are already thinking about this. <laughs> 
Go ahead. I think just one one piece, and, and I see Emir's up, which is awesome. Emir's just been amazing inside the community, adding tons of value. So I've, I've been really stoked. Uh, one last piece, I think, and, and this is something that will kind of develop, I think, as we go along uh, in, in Cosmos, is also like paying really good attention to your allocations in terms of airdrops. I've seen, I, I, I've seen, you know, obviously like, uh, for now, one ecosystem it's slightly different because I guess the now one ecosystem that is a base level, um, really um, like needs to get their supply out far and wide and use case and everything like that. And obviously, there's like really strong exceptions and platforms like Juno that had massive airdrops, which was awesome. But I think as well, being very strategic with your supply in terms of airdrops and your tokens, and and understanding that like a lot of times, like your token supply is used to. Uh, really build your, your platform, right? This is what is used to bring in investors. This is what's used to incentivize team members or advisors. This is also what's used for, you know, sometimes marketing and partnerships. So being very strategic with the allocation of your tokens and how that's used to build your platform. Um, you know, you can airdrop a big 20% chunk of your supply. Um, if that makes sense to do that, then do that. But if, if, it, if it's more of a, hey, I've got to airdrop 20% of my supply because that's what everybody's doing. And there's, you know, maybe 15% of that that can be used to actually build your platform to a level in which it's even more valuable. Then it's about weighing up. It's like, well, what's more valuable, right? Airdropping 20% of that supply or airdropping 5% of that supply and that 15% is used to build that. So it adds more value to the community. So long-term, it's a high valuable uh, product and it adds more value in general. So just thinking about this stuff as we go, I think is really key too. Um, and I'm constantly thinking about this stuff. Midas, you had your hand up. Yeah, um, I was going to say what. Um, another thing is um, about being strategic about the airdrops. Um, help people learn about the ecosystem, right? I think it makes more sense to do that than to just airdrop to everybody. One thing about the airdrops that we have learned, you know, with time is um, it brings in um, takers. For the most part, in an ecosystem, you don't want just takers. You want people that want to help the ecosystem grow. So, you know, building campaigns or um, quests or, you know, um, different creative ways to accue value to the airdrop, you know. Um, like like Simon was saying earlier, you know, you have a, a tasks that you do, you know, a, a different different structures that you can you can create around the airdrops to make it interesting. You know, let's say um, different protocols or different projects are about to launch. If they're going to keep the airdrops, they'll give the airdrops to only people that are learning about the airdrops. You know, um, plugging um, um, link to end. You're learning about it. You're using the protocol, and then you're getting airdrops for what you're doing. And then different communities, like 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 Simon said earlier. The, the more more active the communities, the you know, the more access to airdrops or to allocations or to different, you know, different incentives. Because for the most part, it is based on incentives. It's when the incentives dry up, the people will leave. Like I I, I compare um, a lot of users in the ecosystem, different ecosystems to bees, right? They go where the honey is, uh, for the most part. Or the, you know, and when the honey dries up, they move away from there. A good ecosystem is going to—it's not—it's going to work better if you don't have just takers in the ecosystem. So you know, creating a structure, a framework, or a quest-based system, or a—you um, uh, know—just a, 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 a framework that allows people to stay in the ecosystem, learn about the ecosystem, understand the ecosystem, understand what the Cosmo ecosystem is about, and you know, stay and help build.
you know, for the most part, I think help giving um, um, people that are going to co-create with, with the builders or with the projects is better. You know, it makes more sense that way. And then, you know, it helps with the whole SEC craziness issue too. So, you know, stripping that in. Yeah, good points, man. Are we are we done with the airdrops subject? If we are, we can move on. I, I can add just one piece. I think, you know, the, then the other side is where it's important. And I think it's going to be important for us is, you know, adding value to, to the early community, right? Like, um, not just bringing news from outside the ecosystem, but then also, you know, we're, we're going to do our own IDO, but we're also going to do an airdrop and more details will be kind of around that, around adding value to our community around us, like Juno, right? How do we add value um, and make sure that the users that get in, that are kind of the base, uh, the base level of the launch pad at the start are, are those, uh, you know, users from that ecosystem. And, and so that's going to be really, really key. But then, you know, obviously having things in place like staking so that, you know, users can like get the token and, and there's more incentive for it to hold, to be held and to be, become long-term users of the platform. Go ahead, Crypto Team. Okay. <clears throat> I got like maybe one more good question in before my wife walks in here. Um, so going back to angel investors, going back to what you just said with uh, you guys having your own IDO, I'm going to come in uh, a little bit hot. Maybe this is not as hot as I think it is, but I'm definitely super interested in this um, myself. Um, like anything, there's always a cost. You guys have been building for quite a while. Uh, I don't know if there's anybody else, but I'm, I'm definitely uh, interested to kind of know the backstory about funding and what the allocations look like for the team, if that's available. I know the white paper is still in process and has not been released, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, what does all of that look like? Where did it come from? Uh, what is the Eclipse uh, token allocation going to look like for the team, if you could put that out there? Also, is there uh, parameters or qualifications uh, that uh, maybe an angel investor like myself or an investor would, that would like to get in on the IDO uh, needs to know about? How does all of that look like? Yeah, sure. That's going to be put out actually very, very soon. Um, as far as the allocation for uh, like the token allocation, I'm going back and forth with the ICF as like final parameters uh, to go over it. Um, but it's looking like it'll be around 15% of supply or team uh, vested with a cliff and vested over it's like a three-year period. Um, but that will be put out um, that we put out in the tokenomics when we uh, release the documentation. Uh, as far as the second piece of your uh, question around angels, the angel one is a quite a difficult one in terms of um, in terms of again US users. Um, we have some specific parameters with lawyers that are like do not touch uh, US angel investors. Um, there may be certain parameters in which that comes in, um, but yes. Yeah, so as far as the IDO, there's, there's still a little bit of work for us on our side to figure out how that works and whether we have uh, specific like, uh, you know, pre-angel rounds or, or anything along those lines. Um, but that's still kind of being worked on behind the scenes. But yeah, it's a little bit tough. Again, the US equation is quite a difficult one um, because we're not just thinking about like the next six months and year, we're thinking about the next couple of years, right? Um, and whatever you do now can come back to bite you in three years. So making sure that's all run through legals uh, properly. Uh, hopefully that, that helps a little bit. Um, yeah. Thank no, you. yeah, definitely, definitely. Thank you. Simon, so can you give us just like an overview of what the product is actually going to look like? 
what are users going to be able to see? What information is going to be displayed for each project that you guys uh, launch, that help launch, I mean? Um, yeah, just give us an overview of that and also how it works. Like, what exactly is an IDO for people that don't understand what we're talking about here? Because we keep saying IDO, but maybe a lot of them don't know. Yeah, perfect. That's actually a great question. So from the product, and you'll see when the testnet uh, goes up in very, very soon, I'm pushing the dev hard for it. Um, so originally, so what will happen with the functionality that will be available from the start will be uh, pre-sales. So I'll cover that just, just after I finish it. Uh, we're going to have um, available, you'll be able to um, to do stake, you'll be able to stake, you'll be able to unstake, you'll be able to one-click farm through the platform as well. So you'll be able to farm the token. Um, and you'll be able to, to uh, participate in whitelists as well as IDO. So how this works, the process, um, you, the process of an IDO works. So you will have a project that will be listed with a coming soon. The project will open up. Then what will happen is a whitelist period will be opened up. And so in this whitelist period will be a period of like two weeks where users will be able to apply to join the whitelist, right? So during this period, um, users will, will apply for the IDO. They'll apply to join this whitelist. Um, and the, you know, there's the basic parameters. They'll have to like KYC and do a couple of things. Apply to whitelist. When this whitelist period closes, then uh, what we basically do is we get a, a, a large list of information um, and we look at uh, users' tiers. I'll, I'll cover this in a second as well. Um, and from that, then we you know, select obviously the whitelist that's then published now. People get notifications that they have made the whitelist. Um, then the whitelist period and, and what their allocation is, um, in this IDO, then the whitelist period opens, which is the private sale period. During this period, users can then uh, purchase uh, the IDO, which is like a token swap, the amount in which they, um, you know, the amount of allocation, they don't have to purchase their whole allocation, but just within that allocation. Then that period closes and any overflow from that then goes into what we call first in first serve. And the first in first serve is where, um, you know, anyone can come and participate um, uh, and all the overflow of the stuff that didn't get purchased during the whitelist round, plus there's a there's an allocation for first and first serve, then gets to be able to be purchased in the first and first serve round, um, which has a set allocation. So it could be depending on the project, it could be just like a flat hundred fifty dollar allocation where users can jump in, and we'll put parameters into stock bots and and all this sort of stuff. Um, that's the basic process in terms of research during the pre the whitelist round and during the whitelist round. There will be a project page where users will be able to see. Uh, like the token supplier, they'll be able to see like the the launch RDO price. They'll be able to look at um, you know look into the project and and we'll be publishing um, you know investment reports as well, basic investment reports based on our vetting uh, for these projects too, as well as you know projects that have whitelist documentation, all this sort of stuff on their project page. So hopefully that answers your question. Um, yeah. To uh, oh sorry sorry Gaines. Um, to oversimplify it like to, to really condense that down, basically um, IDOs and launch pads, um, launch pads, they launch the ID, it's the, they conduct an IDO. So uh, basically it's just a, a crowdsourced public round typically, um, whether there's, sometimes there's a, there's an open public list and then sometimes there's an exclusive, uh, you know, you have to, you know, maybe hold this amount of tokens or hold this NFT or whatever. So sort of like a whitelist round. Um, and launch pads usually yeah, the, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, the whitelist round is typically the main, like the whitelist round is typically the bigger chunk. Um, or, right. Although like the, the, the public round typically acts as like a overflow a lot of the time for the whitelist round, but there's still an allocation for for uh, for public. Sorry for cutting you off. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, 
no, no worries. Uh, so, it, but but to just oversimplify it, it's basically like crowdsourced a, a crowdsourced public fundraise round. So it's a way for like the public to sort of kind of get a get a taste of sort of the the VC allocation, if you will. Um, uh, other programs that do yeah. this maybe like Kickstarter, but Kickstarter doesn't give equity, for example. Um, it's more close to say like I don't know if anyone's familiar here with Republic, but very similar to that. So where you can invest in the public round. Um, and you're, you're not getting equity, obviously you're getting tokens in this case, but, um, it's similar to that respect. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The, the other piece that I, that I left out as well is, is uh, IDEO typically stands for either, uh, uh, sorry, my brain just cried. So, so IDEO is typically, uh, you know, either DEX offering or, or decentralized offering, right? So typically also like it helps to, to kind of manage the token, uh, like listing or, or at least like that process. So. We are working on some models behind the scenes for a liquidity launcher as well, which will allow us to kind of project to easily seed the liquidity pools pre-launch. So there's deep liquidity. Um, we also, you know, obviously going to be pretty strict in our vetting process or at least in the negotiation process around the liquidity requirements on launch. Like we don't want projects that are launching to launch with like a $50,000 pool of liquidity, right? It needs to be deeper. Um, and this is really important. And I think it's something that hasn't, Got a huge amount of focus necessarily on Cosmos, um, and it's harder, especially in the bear market. But projects need deep liquidity from launch um, to to absorb like any like the you know a lot of those fluctuations at launch. We're working on a liquidity launcher, um, but it also like helps manage like uh, like a lot of times the idea not always does the idea help to manage the token listing, but like to obviously giving some advisory and guidance on that um, because obviously everybody that participates in the idea they will get vested positions. So. Uh, depending on it, it, this will fluctuate depending on the project negotiations, but typically it'll be like a six month vest where p- users that participate in the IDO will have a, like a vesting uh, schedule over six months and they'll be able to come back to the platform and claim their tokens. We are working on integrating uh, like NFTs. So basically you'll be able to convert that position to an NFT and there will be like an OTC tradable. Uh, you'll be able to basically trade that position um, early. So if you want to, you don't want to wait the whole six months, you can like sell your position as a discount as an OTC on the secondary market, for example. Um, yeah. So there's some cool stuff around that. Cool. Talking about NFTs, uh, this might sound like a stupid question, but uh, are you guys willing to help projects that, um, you, you know, have more than just a JPEG to offer, but also like a token with their, their, their project? Are you willing to like, help launch their kind of projects or is that not on the roadmap for you guys? I think we'll probably like, I'd probably direct those projects to loop um, in terms of like the loop NFT marketplace for kind of those projects. I think it, it just, yeah, like a lot of the projects that we're looking to launch, like are going to be um, larger scale. I mean, I mean, this doesn't exclude NFT projects necessarily, but um, you know, DAP chain, uh, like bigger, bigger kind of, bigger kind of DAPs. In the future, right, like the plan is to build an ecosystem of different products that target different markets. Like chatting to certain people about building a certain type of launch, I, I always dropped it. I was like, probably shouldn't say this just yet. Um, but like th- there's different like things that we can play around with and do in the ecosystem. I uh, want to really, really want to build like a decentralized Kickstarter marketplace, um, which targets, we, which is more permissionless, but we can kind of deal with some of the issues of like avoiding rug pulls and stuff in the future because i really want to help some of those smaller projects as well get funded there's some, there's some really good ideas that we can do and i really want to co-create with the community in the future as, as you know as we move like obviously launch this get this you know uh, built get to the size and then work on auxiliary products that are kind of adding value um there'll be more of that stuff but i think in the initial stages like it's really about like 
um, how can we launch the big adapt chain, the big adapt on Juno, uh, and really kind of build that solid reputation for like those larger scale projects, and then look to kind of go out from there. Gotcha, gotcha. Anybody, anybody else have any more questions regarding um, <clears throat> that topic about <laughs> NFTs and such? No, cool. I, I honestly, um, you, you covered like a lot of my questions. So right now would be a good time to take questions from the, the audience. We have um, Amir. I mean, Amir, Amir, I know you work, you know, with with the Eclipse team, but in case you want to bring up anything you want to talk about, now's a chance. Or Antoine. Yes. Hi everyone. Hi Simon. Yeah, I'd like to thank you for for migrating to to Juno because obviously a, a blockchain is as good as the product it has built on on it. So the bringing such a product to like Eclipse to Cosmos, to Cosmos and Juno is is great. So thank you for that. And also the the launchpad is a great great opportunity for both the investors and and the builders from like um getting getting to to be able to launch this product that they have to offer and then also for the investors to being early. So it's a it's a win-win basically for everyone. That's just great. Hey Antoine. Hey everybody. How are you? I have a question. Um, I have had experiences with launchpads before. I think this is the first time that I see a launchpad into the Cosmos ecosystem uh, besides uh, NFTs. So I would like to ask how do you guys are going to manage the best in period for the leaders of the of the project that you are getting into the launchpad because I know we, we try to do our best to avoid the bad actors, but sometimes there, there are a lot of ways and you're, you were telling that you have to, to wait like six months to get all the tokens, but you can sell in secondary marketplaces uh, before that. So uh, for the leaders of the project that they all the time get the money back from the, from the tokens, how is this best in period and these uh, like obstacles for them to to rock pull uh, are going to work? Thank you. Leaders, I think I think we're confusing two things here. Um, when I was talking about like obviously like uh, projects, right? Like if you're talking about leaders of projects and team members, there's a difference here between vesting periods and clips, right? So. Uh, teams should have cliffs in place and cliffs are periods where there's no vested tokens for that period of time. And then you have, uh, you know, uh, like a two, three year vesting period, right? That's completely separate from what we're talking about in terms of IDO invested periods and team members don't have the ability to convert stuff to NFTs and sell those, those tokens. What we're talking about here, when we're talking about vested periods is users that participate in the, uh, IDO, right? They will get their vested position, which has a vested, uh, they'll get their IDO position with a vesting period of six months. They'll be able to then convert that into an NFT, but the NFT won't have all those tokens at once, right? That NFT will still be a, like a representation of that vesting contract that will still vest those period, those tokens. They just have the option to sell that on the secondary market to someone else who collects the NFT and then, you know, can stake it and then collect those tokens over that six month period. It's just a way that users can, uh, you know, exit their positions early if they want to get out at a discount and users that want to get a, like they don't mind waiting six months investing for six months can actually participate and get a discount on tokens on the secondary market. Um, for example, a user from certain jurisdiction that didn't get to participate in the IDO, right? Might be able to go, Hey, 
Um, I don't mind having a six-month vesting contract, but I want a 30% discount. This person is willing to sell this at a 30% discount. Let me buy it and then stake it and collect the tokens. Does that make sense? Yeah, man. Uh, I, I was confused, you know, because this is uh, like a new feature that you are in uh, a way to use a launchpad correctly, maybe, but I have had bad experiences and wanted to be, be clear in my mind. Maybe I was confused, but thank you for, for, for the information. Now I'm, I understand it. Thanks. Yeah, I think it's as far as like the launchpads in general, it's understanding that, like, and I said this at the start of the space, I think there's like, in the launchpad space, especially, like especially on certain chains, <coughs> Binance chain, uh, not, not putting any figures, but there, there sometimes hasn't been an incentive for right action, right? And, and this is a huge thing. And it, so things change a lot in the, in, the, in the bear market, which is awesome. And you'll see based on the models that we've built for sustainability is really important. Like when, when you, uh, like there's been like certain companies out in the space that have just like set up launch pads with like a six month fuse where they just build a launch pad, milk it, it goes to, to crap and then they build another one and they, they milk it. And, and, and that's like pretty apparent, but the problem is that it doesn't get called out in a bull market because everybody's just making so much money um, that, you know, it doesn't matter as much. It only happens when the market turns that, you know, everyone realizes that it's not sustainable. Um, so but we're really, really focused on long-term sustainability, building up really good reputation and being here for, for a long time and not being someone who's in and out in six months and just launching, you know, the next hottest projects that are just, you know, la- uh, this is a whole other discussion, but launching projects with like a really low float, which means that they're launching with a very low percentage of supply. They can go 100x, then you advertise that you're launching 100x projects, you get a whole bunch of crap projects. Uh, and then, you know, the tokens dump and then you've moved on to the next pad by the time. So yeah, there's been some bad actors in the space, but there's also been bad actors in every piece of crypto, right? Um, whether you're looking at, you know, DEXs, you're looking at uh, lots of stuff. So we're really, really big on that. Um, and we want to co-create with the community anyway. Uh, that's a big thing for us. So, um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for that, Antoine. No, no, thank you, man. And uh, I'm talking about out of cosmos, basically, you know, like other blockchains. No, not here. We sometimes have bad actors, of course, and but we took the time to to detect them. But in other places, um, the communities uh, chose uh, as big and strong, but at the at the end of the day, they are not uh, caring enough about protecting the users and the system, governance system. So uh, um, I'm glad that, that you have this great idea and, and are, uh, care about the reputation because Loop has a, a, a good reputation and, and you are keeping that uh, thing uh, open. And so, yeah, I like that. Thanks. Simon, would you like to go over your uh, current roadmap and what we can expect uh, next year? I mean, I know quarter four is almost over, so. Yeah, yeah, quarter four. It comes so fast, right? And quarter three, yeah. wait, is it? Man, we're in what? No, we just started quarter four, right? Just just started quarter four, but it's just uh, we don't have that much time. Four. We have very little time, my friend. Um, so uh, we will launch in this quarter. Um, based on market conditions i, I like now we, we will launch this quarter um there's been some like interesting back and forth behind the scenes around like when to launch when's the right time to launch and everything like that um i mean a lot of projects go through this anyway currently in this in this market because you want to make sure that you launch and you do it right and it's done the right way um i think the next the next few kind of milestones that that people can expect to come very soon and it's been pushed up a little bit because you know dev timelines and founder timelines 
can be slightly different. <laughs> it's like, okay, we're going to do this. And then, you know, like the day, it takes a lot longer than you expect, but we're very, very close from having um, uh, basically a testnet IDO. So we'll have the platform up uh, with the, with the version one staking, um, which is uh, like the current staking that we have, but we're working on a model and I'll release that in the docs. We're working on a really, really cool model. Uh, actually, you, you guys are going to love, DGENs are going to love this. Uh, we're working on a staking model that uh, is basically uh, time locked based. Uh, so the longer, like you can actually boost, you boost your uh, basically rewards and idea participation based on length of lock. But we're also building a weighting model into this, which is like, you can select between if you want more exposure to yield or if you want more exposure to IDEO participation. So basically what happens is that you, like for example, a US user that maybe not be able to participate in IDEO may choose to have more exposure to yield within their staking and users that want more exposure to projects coming can select the option for um, more ex exposure to IDEO participation. So we're building a really cool balancing model around that. But we'll be launching the testnet with the, the current staking model, which is just a flat, a regular flat staking model. Um, we'll have, you know, ability for users to play with farming. We'll be doing uh, like a mock testnet. So users will be able to go through the whitelist period, IDO period, vesting contracts, and uh, do that on testnet. That will be a requirement as well for, for an airdrop, uh, which we'll release some details for. Um, then we'll have release the docs. I'm still working. I've been working like an animal on those, uh, getting those docs done and ready. Uh, at, at least, you know, like uh, not half done, but like a good good chunk done so users can read and understand about the platform. Uh, then we'll be, uh, we're working right now actually on locking in kind of our first couple of launches. Uh, and I, I imagine we'll actually be doing a launch before we launch our own token. So we want to, we, we don't want to do this whole, we launch a token and then, uh, <laughs> And then, you know, later on, we have a product. We want to actually like show a, a working product before we even have our token. So launch a good project, um, then do our own IDO, as well as we're going to be uh, launching an NFT series, uh, which uh, is kind of work being worked on behind the scenes. So the NFT series is going to be you know, a piece of community building. We really want to ra rally people around this, this NFT series, uh, which will be kind of like an OG NFT series, which will give people like a whitelist benefit in our own IDO and, and an airdrop as well. Um, and so that's that's this quarter, um, and then we'll be uh, bringing in uh, you know more functionality uh, in terms of like the first quarter, which is uh, launching the accelerator, setting up the DAO council, uh, like the government's DAO council, um, the new staking model, uh, and uh, you know more more marketing partnerships. Then we'll be going into kind of uh, working on uh, releasing something called the rewards pool, which is going to be cool. Further orders for that. Uh, building some more NFT functionalities into the platform, um, and then there's there's more there's further roadmap as as far as uh, like moving to our own uh, launch ecosystem, bringing value to users to to Juno holders, uh, launching the the uh, liquidity launcher, etc. Um, so there's, there's a bunch there's a bunch of stuff coming. It's it's a cool roadmap, but we'll we'll release those in the docs in terms of what's coming. Holy, that's that's a lot for quarter four, bro. <laughs> That's a lot to expect in quarter. That's four. not all. In, that's not all in quarter four. That's that's quarter four and quarter one and two. Um, <laughs> like no, no, I, I want to be really I, yeah. aligned. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I want to be aligned with devs. On, oh yeah, I, I want to be aligned with devs because you know the way my brain operates is different to how the devs operate. So I might go like, okay, we'll have this, 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 and then you know the dev timelines are like very, very different in reality. So I, I do want to make sure that that I'm very realistic as well with different timelines and stuff that we uh, we set up. But I'm I'm excited. Awesome. Ryan, I am so sorry. Uh, you popped up here a long, long time ago. As you said, I lost track, dude. 
So if, if you have any questions, now's now's a good time. Thank you. No worries. Hey, Simon, what's going on, bud? How are you? What's up? So what if a, well, can you do a launch without a project launching a coin? Does a project have to launch a coin with you? Yeah, it has to be tokens. Um, we can't do equity. Like it, that's how you get in way more danger. Um, no, no, it's all tokens. So we're all going to be doing uh, token uh, launches for projects. So from a regulatory standpoint, actually doing a token over equity is better? Uh, yeah, according to the lawyers. Um, yeah. But no, we're not, we're not going to be doing any, any equity raises for the pad. Okay. Thank you. That was my question. Thanks, Ryan. Simon, did we cover most? of uh the stuff that we were supposed to talk about because i on my end i think i did i i had a ton of questions and you you answered them pretty well that's probably a tenth of it but i, I think we're, we're pretty good <laughs> i think we're pretty good at this <laughs> you know a lot of this stuff is going into the docs uh which has been like a lot harder to build out than i anticipated uh it's a grilling job where you get you think you're like even halfway done and you're not um but I'm excited and, and, and I'm excited to keep like really with, with a lot of this. I want to kind of co-create this with the community. There's a lot of really cool ideas and a cool um, models that we've kind of been working on. And I know even with our regular model, I know me has seen it and a few others have seen it in terms of like, I've brought on a couple of kind of tokenomics guys from the community to kind of help to try and break some of these staking models. Because sometimes when you build a model, it needs to be like proven. It needs to be looked at from different angles. Um, but there's a couple other models that we're working on in terms of, uh, you know, like uh, kind of like investment DAO pools and, and ways in which we can bring value to the community and, and give access um, that are still a kind of a work in progress. So I'd love to kind of hear different ideas and any concepts and ideas that people in the community have as well. Feel free to shoot through because there's always some like really cool uh, different things we can build up um, and implement the model. Go ahead, Amir. Thanks, Simon. Yes, um, launchpads tend to to start like uh, newer projects. Will Eclipse go um, also like uh, enable projects that are, have already launched and maybe are are sort of um, they want to do a, a re restart, re rebranding, and stuff like this, and and go through the whole system again? Will it be possible on Eclipsepad? Uh, are you are you talking about projects that already have a token with the current token, or are you talking about projects yes. that are relaunching a new token? No, no, pro products that products that already have a token and and that uh, maybe um, migrate migrate to to Juno and and um, that they already have have a token on a different blockchain and want to want to go through Eclipse Pad to to launch again on Juno. That's definitely possible. It just has to be done uh, very carefully uh, and done the right way because I think. I think doing an IDO post-launch can be quite, um, it, it's quite sensitive, right? It can actually, you know, be bad. It, it just has to be done with the right terms and the right value. If your token is like 10 cents and then you come in and try and do an IDO uh, at 9 cents, it's not going to work, right? Um, so as long as you're willing to kind of bring value and you're not going to piss off your current community and you're willing to come in in a way that's fair and brings value to um, the community that you're launching into, um, and also like factoring in your valuation. So if you're actually at 10 cents, but you're overvalued at 10 cents and you're doing an IDO um, 
in an overvalued way, then that could be bad as well for the community you're launching into because they're going to be vested for six months, right, or however long, which means that, you know, suddenly you're, these users have to hold the token for a period of time potentially into a down round, which you don't want. So it's just a few intricacies to that. I think it's possible. It's definitely possible. Um, but just it, it's going to be taken as a case by case and, uh, you know, depending on, on the terms of that, like, and depending on, you know, the, the, the project communicating to the existing community as well as the new community. So they're not like pissing off the existing community by selling a token at half the price, which could take the token. That was a really good question though, Amir. For real. Well, uh, Trav, Midas, Jordan, anything else you want to add? Yeah, well, I, I have a question since nobody really asked it. Um, I know the answer, but just asking for people that are here and people are gonna that are gonna be listening, you know, on the recording and you know. all. Um what is the three year plan for the launch pad, right? And how do we see um we know the future is multi-chain um we are excited about cosmos um 2.0 and you know what uh oh oh you know it's coming but how is the is this does this play out with the with eclipse how do we link other ecosystems and is there plans to launch um you know products or you know projects rather or other ecosystems Yeah, great, great. Actually, great question. Um, so, you know, our plans for Eclipse are to be, you know, even bigger than just Cosmos. Um, you know, obviously for, for, for a fair period of time, you know, Cosmos is going to be the biggest focus and it's going to be around building and expanding the Cosmos ecosystem and bring a ton of value. But really our eventual goal and our bigger vision is actually to bring Web2 into Web3. We have, we actually have a fair few contacts uh, in the Web2 space, large, large companies and, and entrepreneurs uh, in circles in the Web2 space, some, some circles that like would probably blow some people away um, that are wanting to bring some of the value that they build in Web2 into Web3. They see the future for blockchain. They're not quite there yet, but they see a lot of value um, in that. Um, so that's, that's our eventual vision. We just see uh, everything is a stepping stone, right? So it's like, uh, it's like, okay, this is the first phase. And then what's the second phase? And what's the third phase? And what's the fourth phase? Really for, for a big period of time, it's about expanding the cosmos and building like a really solid foundation and, a, and, a, and, a, and actually a DAP chain within the cosmos that's focused on launch products. Um, that will lead to eventually launches. I'd see that eventually launches on other ecosystems, which would also then be launched on our DAP chain. So that's, that's again, beneficial. So we, I do see us in the future being doing launches uh, for L1s on our ecosystems and doing bigger launches. But the eventual goal is really to, like, how can we bring in Web2 projects into Web3, like big-scale Web2 projects, and launch them into the ecosystem um, and help them kind of facilitate that journey? And I think that's going to be, like, a really key piece of adoption. So, um, you know, that's obviously a long way ahead, and it, there's a lot of steps that need to happen to get there. But I think it's really important to have a bigger vision, um, uh, bigger vision for, for the ecosystem, for the industry, for your product. Um, but I also want to kind of bring it back. When I say, when I go big vision, I also want to bring it back to kind of more immediate as well, because I know um, it, it's easy to go get lost in the, in the three-year plan um, rather than bring it back down to like what the next couple of months look like. Great question, Midas. Thank you. Any other questions from the audience uh, before we wrap up the space? Now's the time to request to speak. 
And if not, we'll just uh, let you wrap it up, Simon, with any last or final words or alpha that you want to put out there. I have one. Uh, I, I would oh. like to, to say something. Sorry. <laughs> uh, maybe you already said that, but I'm, I'm late. But uh, do you have uh, a date in mind of the of the launch of this launchpad? When is it going to be released? And do you have any ideas or, or kind of projects that are interested into? If you can give us like a little alpha. Uh, I want to give you some alpha, but maybe. Um, I'm talking to a lot of projects behind the scenes, uh, some good projects, um, and talking to the Juno community uh, as well about some potential projects on Juno as well as some DAP chains. I don't want to give you too much. Uh, I, I want to be careful with that alpha. Launch date, it, launch date's still a little bit hard. Um, so just based on locking in our first launch Uh, like our first launch project, basically. But the tech is the tech is pretty much almost ready to go. So um, we're not going to be far off. When when I do have a launch date, we will announce it and lock it in and announce it. But yeah, I haven't got something just yet. A little bit of alpha I can drop though. Uh, it's, it's different to what you asked for, but I um, have mentioned this like briefly before. But like uh, one thing that will be coming in the future is leverage IDO. Uh, and now that sounds really degen, but it's actually not as degen as you think. Um, for us, like our uh, kind of like fundamental uh, thoughts is, is like, how can we give users different ways to participate in IDOs? And one of them is like, how can you participate in an IDO? Let's just say you've got like a Juno staking position or you've got a Osmo, uh, like liquid stake, I'll say liquid staking position. And you don't have any cash lying around, but you want to participate in an IDO, but you, you don't really have any. You don't want to like liquidate your Juno or your Osmo to participate in this IDO. So how do you actually... Um, participate without doing that well um, we've got like a widget that uh, goes through like mars and umi and stuff um, and that's depending on the assets listed on those money markets of course which will enable users to uh, basically participate in the ido without needing any liquidity so you'll just uh, basically participate against your position and it's not like a degen leverage because you you're not you're not like leveraging you know like terra days like massively leveraging but instead you're like maybe you've got like a $2,000 position and you'll want a $200 allocation and you're, you're using that as collateral to spend the IDO. So it's not, not crazy. Those could be not investing advice. These can make really for really good strategies as well, because you're actually taking a position and then from that position, then you're taking a high risk, high reward portion of that and allocating that to your portfolio. Um, so it's kind of cool. So that's going to be fun as well. Whoa. Whoa. That's the first. I haven't heard of a, of a way to do that. Well, Thanks, man. it's a fist. Awesome. All right, fellas. Well, thank you so much for um, joining in the space and teaching us about Eclipse. I, I learned a ton. You you really literally answered all my questions. I appreciate it so much, guys. Um, so, yeah, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, again, any any final words from the other speakers that are up here before I wrap it up? The party was awesome. That's it. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again, Simon. Thank you so much. Well, I'll catch you guys next time. Uh, please just hit me up if you need another space. If you guys release uh, the product, we can have a little launch party, whatever. Yeah. Also, I want to thank you and the rest of the Cosmos Investors team as well. You guys are absolutely legends. And uh, and I always love hanging out with you guys. And I know we've, we've had a fun journey together, right? Like it's been a while. I, I mean, I remember connecting back on Terra. 
Um, and it's been great to see you guys grow and, uh, and, and I'm loving all the spaces that you're currently doing. Sadly, I haven't had as much time to jump on spaces these days. I'm like in, <laughs> in the middle of building and making a million calls, but I, I absolutely love to see what you guys are doing and you guys grow. So keep it up and thank you for hosting uh, Eclipse Pad in this space and to everybody uh, listening, thanks for jumping on and stay in touch, stay in the loop, keep watching what's happening. Um, there'll be some cool announcements, so don't miss it. Thanks, Simon. And yes, please do us a favor and retweet the space. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that will want to listen back to it. We had like over 80 people set reminders for this space, but some of those are in different time zones. So yeah, just do us a favor and just retweet the space again. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Good day. Take it easy. Antoine, your hands up. Yeah, my last one, uh, bro. If you have a member in your team that, that speaks Spanish, uh, feel welcome to bring him in to do a, this kind of space in Spanish to explain your product. Thank you. Interesting. I have to dig into that whether we got any Spanish speakers. Hermano, hermano, yo Estoy aquí contigo todos los días aquí. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, Antoine, hit up Amir for sure, if it's okay with Simon and the rest of the team, obviously. Yeah, go go, go for it, man. And uh, no hablo espanol. That's my Spanish. No hablo espanol. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you showed me that skill on love party, man. <laughs> Love you, man. Thanks for coming, and everyone, thanks. All right. Good night, everybody. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Cosmos Spaces, Eclipse Pad, AMA. Hosted by Lil Gaines. Recorded on Wednesday, October 12th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support. When we blow through the dust, volcanoes erupt. No one ever guessed that the game would be tough. Keep a hands off when the play is a bust. Plain old and just, so we keep it on the one. Blast off on the two. Help me see the three. Third eye open wide, checking out the scene. Razor beam focus, star scream jokers. Living off the fat of the people they approach. Tell me what happens when the land fights back. With the cliffs at our backs, make the last stand matter. No one ever planned for the famine on deck. We was walking all erect with the dead man swagger. Sitting in a little den, envision in the middle men. Listen to the fiddle man play a little ditty then. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian. Lost in the maze, trying to make the next billion. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian. Lost in the maze, trying to make the next billion. Little Dan envisioning the middle men Listen to the fiddle man play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze trying to make the next No one gave a shit till the drugs all dried up Everybody died from a bad batch of Lysol But it didn't matter we was all hyped up When the pedal hit the metal he just didn't have the right skill Watched in the daytime till the night curfew Rats in a cage till they make time to murk you Got a little job that falls under my purview We gotta get this mob away from the birds you gotta find cover wipe off the bird poop right off the work while you try on the worst juice blinded by perps who try to reverse truth slide like fox news just trying to lie to you eating up the slop like a bunch of hungry vagrants i can't wait for the day they lock us up in stasis mock up a basement could call me resilient waiting for the internet to make me a billion
vision in the middlemen Listen to the fiddle man Play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze trying to make the next B-b-b-billion Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze trying to make the next B-b-b-billion Spaces. <laughs>